Hey friends, thank you for uh, bringing us into your space today. I am expectant. Um, Pastor Alan is gonna be bringing us a message today just on the concept of family. Um, we're in this series right now about family. So stick around afterwards. KJ and I are gonna be sitting down with Alan and we're really just gonna kind of unpack what this really means to us and the heartbeat behind it. So see you then. Hey, Christ community, it is really good to be with you today. It has been a great week. Uh, we as a church just experienced three days of seeking God this past week, a wonderful time of fasting and praying. Our prayer and worship service Wednesday night was a great culmination to that. So I hope you were able to seek the Lord in a renewed way uh, this past week. So the other day I was I was at a meeting at Zoe's. I was trying to look up something on my computer and nothing was happening for like 15 seconds, which in our world feels like an eternity if it has to do with technology, right? So I was as I was getting more and more frustrated, I checked on that, you know, that little wireless icon on my MacBook and I got this message on my screen unable to connect. I mean, I had automatically connected hundreds of times at Zoe's, but for some reason this time I was unable to. And so I restarted my computer and in 30 seconds, all the bars showed up and I was once again able to connect. I mean, we, we all understand how frustrating those three words are, unable to connect. Now this reality is so much larger than the realm of our cell phones and devices. This is a reality at the core of our very existence as human beings. We are built for connection. Our souls are searching for genuine connection with others. And when that connection is happening in our lives, it has a huge impact on our physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Both scripture and science affirm this reality that we need healthy relational connections in order to flourish and thrive. But here's our reality. Even though our souls are searching for and longing for connection, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes our relational experience is more accurately described by those three frustrating words, unable to connect. So often in our lives, we experience relational disconnect with our, with, a, with our spouse, with a friend, with a coworker or a family member. Even though we long for connection, we sometimes experience barriers to that. So how can we remove these relational, these connection barriers so that we experience healthier and life-giving connections with people? Well, that's what this current teaching series is about. In this series, we are focusing on a passage of the Bible in which we see people experiencing healthy relational connection. This passage is found in Acts chapter 2 where we see the birth of this amazing thing called church. Church is not a building. It is a gathering of people who are relationally connected in Christ. The language that God often uses in his word to describe this experience is the word family. God designed his church to be a family, a place where people can experience healthy relational connections. And so in this particular passage, we see the church functioning like a healthy family. And it is a beautiful, powerful description. Let's look at this passage, Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I mean, this description is so inspiring to me. In a world filled with so much loneliness and isolation and relational disconnection, this passage points us toward a totally different experience. Okay, so what are some of the things that enable this group of people to be a thriving family, to experience life-giving relational connections? Well, last week we looked at a foundational aspect of this, and that is the idea of commitment, of making relational connection a priority in our lives, being willing to move beyond our comfort to experience connection. Well, today I want us to look at the uh, a second absolutely essential um, aspect of deepening relational connection with other people. I mean, if, if commitment is the foundation for relational connection, this particular practice is the oxygen for relational connection. The oxygen for relational connection is acceptance. Acceptance. What breathes life into a relationship is when the people in that relationship know they are accepted just as they are not simply tolerated, they feel accepted and loved. I mean, this dynamic oozes from this passage in Acts 2. Look again at verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. This word glad used here refers to overflowing joy and delight. There, there was a joy found in being together. We talked about this in our joy series last fall, how powerful it is relationally when we choose to delight in people. When you walk into a room and someone's face lights up when they see you, you feel a deeper relational connection with that person than you do when you walk into a room and, and the other person just kind of looks up with no reaction. There is a physiological, neurological, and spiritual dynamic happening in that moment. And it all has to do with this idea of acceptance, of delighting in this person just for who they are. I mean, that simple heart posture helps deepen relational connection with another person. We all long to feel accepted. So, so, so when this is how we respond to someone, it has a huge impact on our ability to connect with them. I mean, just try this sometime. In any relationship when you're in, in your life, especially a relationship maybe that isn't feeling very close, a coworker you tend to avoid, or maybe the checker at the grocery store or whatever, make it a point to smile at this person when you see them and to take a genuine interest in them. Often there is an immediate impact. When a person feels accepted, their heart opens to deeper connection. But when they feel from us disappointment or disgust or distance or coldness, it has the opposite effect. Acceptance is an incredibly powerful dynamic in a relationship. And the reason is because every person longs to feel seen and known and value to feel accepted. This is not a weakness or a disability. No, this is actually how God created us. In Genesis chapter two, before Adam and Eve rebelled against God, there was this beautiful description of their relationship. Look with me at Genesis two, verse 25. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. 
this is a picture of total acceptance. No hiding, no trying to be someone they're not. They are completely accepting of each other. There was no shame. There was not this, I really need you to be this way. I really need you to look this way. I really need your personality personality to be more like this. No, there was none of that. And it was a beautiful thing. They experienced genuine relational connection because of this acceptance. But that didn't last. Unfortunately, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they suddenly became self-aware, self-conscious. They hid from God. They hid from each other. I mean, that's shame in action. They felt unacceptable. So then when God gently confronted them about their sin, Adam's first response was to blame his wife. He totally threw her under the bus. She's no longer acceptable. Adam was now blaming her for not measuring up rather than celebrating her. And we've been doing the same thing ever since. This this is one of the biggest barriers, the biggest enemies of relational connection, a lack of acceptance. It's when we see another person through the lens of being unacceptable, not measuring up in some way. Again, that posture in any relationship is toxic. It is toxic. It will quickly erode that relationship between husband and wife, between parent and child, between teacher and student, doctor and patient, boss and employee, friend and friend, friend to friend. And the damage caused goes way beyond the relational damage. One of my favorite singers when I was a young kid was Karen Carpenter. You maybe haven't heard of her. She sang the song, Merry Christmas, Darling, which you probably heard hundreds of times last December. But anyway, as a young boy, I had a huge crush on her, right? She was this beautiful woman with an amazing voice. Well, tragically, she died way too young from anorexia, which at that time, no one talked about. So a few months ago, I started reading this biography of Karen Carpenter's life. And, and of course, it talked about her struggle with eating and losing weight and, and trying to get help for that. But there was this, there was a consistent theme in the book of how Karen's mom doted on Richard, her older brother, Karen's older brother, um, who was the other half of the Carpenter's singing group. So, so Karen never felt like she measured up. So there's this one story that the author told that I, can't, I just can't get out of my mind. Karen and her family were sitting in a, a counselor's office. And this was a counselor that Karen had been working with on her anorexia struggle. So in this meeting, the whole fam- the family's there. Karen was crying uncontrollably and apologizing for having put her family in this situation with her condition and how it was ruining their lives and all, all this shame. So she's apologizing and weeping. And so at one point, the counselor said to the family, you know, I really think Karen just needs to hear from you all that you love her. Well, her brother Richard immediately said, well, of course I love you. So then the counselor turned to her mom. Agnes, is there anything you'd like to say? Rather than addressing her daughter, Agnes said to the counselor, I prefer to be called Mrs. Carpenter. I'm from the North and we just don't do things that way. She couldn't do it. She couldn't tell her daughter that she loved her. For whatever reason, she withheld acceptance from her daughter for decades and it literally 
ate away at Karen's soul. That that example vividly shows the life-giving power of acceptance in a relationship and the relational damage caused when that acceptance is not offered. I mean, so many of you perhaps can totally relate. You, maybe you never felt loved and accepted for who you are. You know, if, 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 if we were to explore Agnes's, the mom's story growing up, I'm guessing that she didn't experience acceptance in her family. And so when she became a, uh, so when she grew up, she just became a very critical person who was unable to offer acceptance to others because of her own lack of acceptance. And it, that, that crippled her capacity to connect with people, even her own daughter. When we don't feel accepted for who we are, we tend to be judgmental and critical of others. We, we do exactly what Adam did. We blame, we criticize, we judge, and it damages our ability to connect with people. Our lives become characterized by those three words, unable to connect. Now, here's the good news, literally. The gospel of Jesus speaks directly to this issue. Okay, Jesus died on the cross experiencing our shame so that we can live in his unconditional love and acceptance. I mean, the more we let this gospel truth penetrate and permeate our souls, the greater the impact it can have in our relationships. I mean, when we know, when we in our hearts know we are accepted and delighted in by God in Christ, we can begin to see other people through that same lens. We can begin to demonstrate acceptance of one another. Rather than seeing people through the lens of not enough, we can begin to see them through the lens of Jesus and his love for them. And what will begin to happen is that the oxygen of acceptance will begin to flow into that relationship and a deeper connection will result. Acceptance is a powerful antidote to the damage and toxicity of shame that so many people carry. The more we can live out of this place of Jesus' acceptance of us, the deeper our relational connections will be with other people. I mean, the reality is, look, 99% of the people you encounter or, or are in relationship with struggle in some way with feelings of inadequacy. It's probably 100% but I don't want you to get hung up trying to think of someone who doesn't fit, right? My point is that almost every person in your life has feelings of inadequacy and being unacceptable in some areas of their lives, appearance, performance, personality, body shape, intelligence. No matter how confident they come across, beneath the surface is a feeling of not being acceptable, not being enough, a need to hide, just like Adam and Eve so in light of that reality, think of the impact in our relationships if the oxygen of acceptance begins to flow more and more out of us toward others. Man, I long to be more of this way in my, in my life and my relationships, especially like with my son, Josh. I mean, sometimes Josh and I are like oil and water. And, and man, I know how so often I unintentionally communicate uh, disappointment or frustration a lack of acceptance when he doesn't do what I want, well, whatever. And, but man, when, when I do intentionally draw near to him, when I intentionally communicate delight in him, it so often has a wonderful impact on our connectedness. 
you know, I'm thinking of that phrase we read earlier from Acts 2, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Do you, you want to be, a, uh, do you want to enjoy the favor of the people around you? Do you want people around you to be drawn to you in a positive way? Well, be a person of acceptance. Be a person who delights in other people and who sees them through the lens of Jesus' unconditional love. I mean, that one thing can have a huge impact on the quality of your connection, the, the depth of your relationships. Now, I want to take a few minutes here and, and, and apply this more broadly. I mean, practically speaking, what does it look like for our church to be a place of acceptance? to live out this family dynamic of acceptance that we see in Acts 2. I mean, what if, what if we disagree with how someone is living? What if someone is living in obvious sin? What, what, am I supposed to accept someone who has significant character deficiencies or who is at the other end of the political spectrum than, than I am? Am I supposed to accept someone who believes things about God that I don't believe? What, what does acceptance look like in this church family? Are, are, are there any people who would not be acceptable in this church family, people that we would not accept? Now, that's a really important question as we're talking about how the church can be a healthy spiritual family where acceptance is a critical value. Is there a limit to our acceptance? Now, this is where the, this issue gets really tricky and challenging and a bit messy because a, a part of the huge part of the challenge has to do with the various definitions of the word accept in our English language. So if I say I accepted Jesus when I was 13 years old, that means I wholeheartedly embraced him as savior. Or if someone corrects me on something and I say, I accept that, that means that I agree that that is true. But that is not how the word accept is used in scripture. For instance, in Romans 14 and 15, Paul is trying to help this church in Rome navigate a huge conflict that they're in the, in the midst of. And three times in that passage, that whole, those chapters, he urges them to accept one another in the midst of their disagreement. So clearly, according to Paul, biblical acceptance is not dependent upon agreeing with people. It's about a posture of the heart toward someone else. Now we see this in action in Acts 28, where Paul and his his shipmates are shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And so, so we're told in verse two, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was rainy and cold. See that, that word translated welcomed is the same word that Paul used in Romans 14 and 15. It's this word accept. Here are these natives who are from a very different culture than Paul, and yet they're opening their lives, they're opening their hearts to Paul and his companions. See, this is not about agreement. This is a posture of the heart. See, that's biblical acceptance. That's what this word means. To quote from a Greek word study resource, this word here in Romans 14 and 15 and and these other places, this word literally means to receive to oneself to admit to one's society and fellowship, to receive and treat with kindness. There's nothing there about agreement. It is a posture of the heart. That's the biblical meaning of this word, accept. That's the kind of acceptance we're talking about today. That's the kind of acceptance that can pour life into our relational connections. It's a decision we make to open our heart to someone to treat them with respect and kindness and value. 
But notice also in that definition, this phrase, it's to admit uh, to one's society and fellowship. To admit someone to one's society and fellowship. To, to, in other words, to accept is to welcome someone into our church family and to treat them with kindness and respect. It is not about our personal agreement with their political views or their lifestyle or their character or their theological perspective. I mean, let me go back to that question I mentioned a moment ago. Is anyone unwelcome to be a part of this church family? And if the answer in your heart is yes, I urge you to look more closely at that in light of what Scripture says about acceptance. I mean, here's the reality. Our church family is full of people who don't think like you do, who don't vote like you do, who don't live like you do, who don't agree with certain theological beliefs that you hold to. Does that make them unacceptable in this family? See, there are no exceptions to who is acceptable here. The greedy businessman who worships money at the expense of his family and employees. The person who is struggling to believe that the Bible is God's word. The lesbian couple who just adopted a child. The political activist who voted very differently than you. The the alcoholic who took a drink before coming to church. The the husband caught looking at porn last night. I I could go on and on because the reality is I'm eventually going to include something that you struggle with. Something that some people would deem unacceptable. I want us to look at the rest of the verse that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. He says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. The reason we are to accept, to welcome and accept other broken people is because Jesus accepts us in our brokenness. None of us have our act together. Jesus died on the cross for sinners like you and me. We we regularly experience his acceptance of us, even when our lives don't align with his word, even when our theology is a bit off, even when we give in to some sin again. The cross of Christ is what makes the church family a unique place where we can offer acceptance to a broken world because we are broken and yet we've experienced God's acceptance in Christ. In fact, let, let me ask it this way. This is a question I've been thinking about. Does the cross of Christ keep people out of this family? Or does the cross of Christ welcome people in? We are a church where the cross of Christ welcomes people in, where people can feel like feel and experience acceptance. And in that place, Jesus does his best work in us. Now, look, let me, let me be really clear here. I am not talking about compromising truth. I'm not talking about minimizing truth, quite the opposite. I'm talking about creating a context where truth can actually have a greater impact. We are told that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Both are absolutely important. But in what order? When Jesus encountered broken people, greedy, sexually broken, et cetera. He always led with grace. He always led with acceptance. Like the story of the greedy businessman Zacchaeus, where Jesus led with relational acceptance. And in that place of relationship, Zacchaeus then embraced the truth of Jesus and his life was transformed. 
Or what about the woman caught in adultery in John 8? Jesus led with grace and acceptance and then invited her to embrace the truth of who she was in him. But what if someone doesn't embrace the truth? Can they still be a part of this accepting family? Now, you know, I think about how Jesus welcomed into his small group of followers, a guy named Judas, who never got over his greed and who ultimately betrayed Jesus. Did Jesus demonstrate acceptance with Judas? Did, did, did Jesus welcome Judas into his relational circle and treat him with respect and kindness? Absolutely. Along with all the other disciples who had issues for a long time, Jesus allowed them to journey with him. Look, I'm not interested in us being a church that erects theological or behavioral or political walls that keep people out of experiencing this family. I'm interested in us welcoming anyone and everyone into this family to find a place of acceptance and in that place to journey with us in following Jesus. I mean, think about this. Most of the disciples who hung out with Jesus still didn't really know who he was three years later. (laughs) And yet God eventually used many of them to build his church. I mean, the the sense I get from the passage in Acts 2 that we read earlier is that many people experienced belonging to that spiritual family before they ever believed in Jesus. This is the power of acceptance when defined biblically. It's not about agreement. It's about a posture of the heart that welcomes people into the family. And in that place, people can experience biblical truth and be transformed. I mean, we're gonna talk in two weeks about how important truth is in our relationships in a healthy family. Truth is critical in a healthy relationship, but when biblical truth is offered without a heart of biblical acceptance, that truth will fall on deaf ears. I mean, we all, all of us here, we all want our neighborhoods and our city and our region and our nation to come to Christ, right? We all want that. Well, listen, one of the most powerful things we can offer to a hurting society is us being an accepting church family, a safe place where broken people like you and me can authentically journey with others to experience life in Christ. That's the best thing we can offer to the people around us, to the world around us, a safe place, a safe family, where together we all can journey in our relationship with Jesus. Let's pray together. So as you're quieting your heart um, in this time of response, I wanted to give a couple of potential responses. Um, First of all, there may be some of you who are watching this in you don't feel accepted, acceptance from God. That you don't really know if God accepts you. And that's really, this is really what salvation, what the gospel is all about. It's when we place our trust in Jesus, we are adopted into his family. We become his beloved sons and daughters. We are fully accepted in him. It's not about our behavior. It's not about any of that. It's about our trust 
in Jesus and our receiving of him into our lives. And there may be some of you and you're like, that's what I want. I want to receive Jesus and his forgiveness and his presence into my life to change me through the power of his acceptance and love. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. You can pray this prayer with me right now. Wherever you are, just pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart or out loud if you're able to do that. Dear God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. He died in my place. And I choose to place my trust in him. Jesus, I bring to you all of my fears and failures and doubts and questions. I bring all of that to you, all of my sin. And in exchange, I receive your forgiveness and your life in the very presence of your Holy Spirit, filling me with your love. Change me from the inside out through the power of your love. Lord, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer, help them grow in this relationship. And if you're out there, just let us know on the chat or, or uh, just reach out to the church. We would love to, to get you connected and help you grow in this new relationship. So for the rest of us, and even those who prayed that prayer, all of us here, uh, let me just, let's, let's apply, prayerfully apply this passage to our lives by asking the Holy Spirit, is there any person, would you bring to mind any person in our life toward which we are or have or are communicating, verbally or non-verbally, a lack of acceptance? And as the Holy Spirit brings someone to mind, if he does, would you ask the Lord to help you see the per that person the way he does? And to love them the way he does? Now, let me ask a little more broadly, or is there any group of people? We're going to ask in the Lord this question, God, is there any group of people that I have not felt like offering biblical acceptance towards? Again, I'm not talking about agreement. We're talking about a posture, a heart of acceptance. And Lord, as you bring those groups of people or individuals to mind, would you forgive us for withholding acceptance when we have so freely received it from you? I pray that you would be changing our heart, that we would be people of acceptance and that we would be a church of acceptance. For your glory, Lord, that you would use that acceptance to draw people into a relationship with you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, we're here. <laughs> I didn't know how to start this one, but hi, guys. Hello. Thank you, Alan, for that. Yeah. I'm excited to be in this message series. I think the timing of it is so perfect, just for us as a church and even just, you know, 
personally and everything. Yeah. I just feel like this is this is just good timing. I have been having a ton of people, and by a ton, I probably have four. <laughs> um, but I've had a ton Your of ton people. Your ton is different than our Well, you know, I mean, like, I have to assume for every sure, person, sure. there's probably 10 or 15 who are thinking oh the same God. thing, but don't actually say it, um, who who have said, how, how do I get to see the the heart of CCC, the foundation mm. of CCC, like how do, do I become a part of it? And then I say it's like, so this whole sermon yeah, series is, is about it. that. Instead of pulling out a packet of papers and a contract, right. it's here's our heart. Yeah. And it's diverse and deep and big. Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying that yeah. to affirm you and say <laughs> it's very Timely, purposeful, and yeah. good to be having this. So yeah. here is our heart. And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say. So I hadn't listened to you present the message. This was the first time I listened to it. Yep. So the Karen Carpenter thing. Yes. I have such a history with that oh, whole really? story. Yeah, I like. They're one of my favorite bands. They're not a band, but they're a group, I guess. Um, but Someone I, else, no. I know. I love them. I just love, I love the music. I, it's just something in me. I don't know who but she is. But her story. Well, was I was just like, 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 I don't yeah, even know who you're talking about. So. The Carpenters, Richard and Karen, I know. for goodness sakes. But is th- the story. Jesus had been a Jewish <laughs> Carpenter. Like, that's where it's like, is he... T- okay. Yes. <laughs> Maybe did his brother sing, though? Like that, no. Okay, but, sorry. I, I think there there's something so powerful in that story because I've I actually I've watched a documentary or yep, something I've seen and that yeah, too, yeah and that moment where she could not could not bring what it was that the other person needed you know yep. and obviously it was her daughter but how many times like I think in my own life like how many times did I not bring something that somebody needed yeah. out of my own stubbornness or out of ignorance or whatever but like that is just so powerful that acceptance and how strong um the pull for acceptance is in us yeah that story is so sad on so mm-hmm. many levels it's and i think it's it's easy to look at the mom and how could she not do that but right. if we did have a chance to look at her history i'm guessing you know what's that phrase hurt people hurt people right. you know it's like she probably didn't ex- experience that either and so she really was so good. wounded, she probably, she didn't have the capacity, right, right? Mm-hmm. at some level, which is so sad. Mm-hmm. It just goes back. You go back, generate, rather than, oh, it's that person's fault. It's so, comp- it just generationally, this mm-hmm. can have such yes. an impact. Um, and that's such a tragic story mm-hmm. for the way it, it ended. They, mm-hmm. Even as she's starving herself, her mom couldn't, Right. you, you just, you would think, can you just say the words? Mm-hmm. Do you see what's happening? And no ability to do that. That's mm-hmm. um, it, it, that was that's tragic. Yeah, I think too. You, it's the awareness that breaks the cycle. And I think exactly. sometimes it's her. She didn't have the capacity to be aware yep. of the damage. And yeah, and that's where my heart is for all of us. Really, when we find places like that, when we struggle with acceptance, to look first of all at. Mm-hmm. The gospel in our own heart and to live in this place of Christ's acceptance of us, I think that then it becomes when we can, we become aware and then we can actually start living differently, mm-hmm. treating people differently. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in like the heart components of 
acceptance. Um, especially of how the sermon is, is talking about acceptance. Um, it's very inspiring, uh, but how our culture holds the idea of acceptance, it mm. does not... Uh, Practice it? No, no, no. <laughs> I think um, I spent a ton of time being in San Francisco, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the city of San Francisco, they take a ton of pride in being a tolerant city. Right. Like, they promote... Tolerance and they celebrate mm -hmm. tolerance and tolerance and, and I mean like it, right. it, I mean like people are so excited about tolerance and but if I break it down to as a human being I don't have an ex a desire for someone to tolerate, tolerate who I am yeah. but culture celebrates being able to be tolerated such a low bar right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a desire to be loved mm -hmm. and a part of that is being accepted instead of tolerated, tolerated. Yeah. Wow. and so thinking about that inside the church context um, the idea of acceptance that's being t talked about from a, a heart of God perception it, it, so it isn't talking about biting the bullet and you tolerate someone sitting by you Right. It's talking about this this bigger engulfing gospel heartbeat. Wow, that is so powerful. I've never mm -hmm. thought about that. The tolerance when you Versus do put it that yeah. way, it's like that is such a who just who wants to be tolerated? Right. Exactly. If you like said that to your children or said, you know, I'm gonna tolerate, <laughs> like, I'm gonna you. tolerate you today. But culture celebrates it. Right. And that's again gets back to what the church uniquely has to offer, right? right. Yeah, it it's doesn't not have tolerance. It's bar of it's a I relational, will, yeah. mm -hmm. open-hearted acceptance. Um, Starting to see you, yeah, you know, to be seen. Yeah, I, I'll be vulnerable. I'll I well, I'd hope so. Well, I know, but I think I think it's it has to be only be. Between us, <laughs> yeah. we'll just keep this between us. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I do though. I find myself in those when you were talking about you know the acceptance of of the you know general public coming you know and that having that those moments of judgment and those moments of you know and obviously we live in a time right now where you know clothes you wear you know things you do will separate you, put you in a category, so yep. to speak. That's what I'll say. Um, and then that in, that internal judgment starts happening, you know, and that's where, like, if I get to know somebody, you know, you have the relationship, but when you're looking around, you know, you have these, like, am I really accepting them? You know, like, is my heart really ex accepting them? I can say it, yeah, but, but am I? Do you think it's possible to accept somebody if you don't... Uh, pursue them to actually ask them questions and get to mm -hmm. know them because mm. there isn't anything to accept. Right, but what would it look like to have the heart posture of like... Of, of being drawn to people. Yeah. To... In, I mean like... You would that, have to get over that judgment to even go up to them to yeah. let that yeah. happen. Sometimes the acceptance then comes more when you hear their story. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it has to. Yeah. It has. Yeah. There has the, to be something to accept. Hmm. To be able to accept <laughs> instead of <laughs> I'm going to say someone and just uh, so I accept them. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's possible be- because the, there's then a there's a superficial. I'm going to accept something. I don't even. Well, you can accept them, but not at a, at the relational depth you're talking about. Right. Right. Yeah. That's. Mm. Because we're not saying, well, I, I don't know if I can accept or I'm going to not accept that person. That's not what you're saying. You're yeah. saying, with uh, my heart is open to accept, and then the more I get to know them, right? Right. The okay. more yeah. full my acceptance mm-hmm. is. That's good. Yeah. There's like a experience. There in is. Yeah. There is an experience in it. Yes. Uh-huh. Huh. And I also, I mean, well, I'm a firm believer in the delighting when people walk in the room. I think I love that. Love that. Love that. I think I think that is a practice. That's yep. what I think that it has is. to become. You're right. It's a choice. At some level, it's a choice we can make mm-hmm. that has a huge impact on someone's mm-hmm. um, feeling of connection towards us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just think... Um, this topic as a whole, as it relates to church, is just, it's its tricky, as we talked about, because, and I just wanted to be clear in the message, hopefully it was clear that it's, the problem is our, our English word, except, right. is not really the way the Bible uses that word and translates the word. And that's where I think it gets really confusing, mm-hmm. because we can have a heart of acceptance and love towards someone that we disagree with, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and that's the, I think, the, I'm guessing the processing that's going on maybe as people hear this message, right. just processing that. And that, that is kind of a, it, it's a new sort of way of thinking about acceptance, mm-hmm. I feel like. Well, and how many people do you agree with everything? You know, well, exactly. even your spouse, you tell right. the times you, where you're like, I don't know if I agree with that, but you're right. <laughs> we can continue the conversation, you know. <laughs> That's but a good I accept point. you and I love you. Yeah. Yeah. There's no one we have 100% agreement with. But and like Ourselves. How, how <laughs> did it even like come to that point of, uh, I mean like, so in the J- Jewish culture, um, they have this saying that, that if there's 10 different rabbis sitting at a table, there's going to be, 12 different opinions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, so there isn't a single person who's going to agree Green. on someone else's stance. And they actually celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's, it's we're bringing these different things to a table mm-hmm. and God takes joy in that experience of diverse mm-hmm. thought, conversation, debate, and the fact that are going to probably have food. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, because I think that there's true growth happens when there's different opinions and different thought processes brought to the table. Right. But how did it come to a point that people have to agree to sit at the same t- table? and um, Comfort. So I had someone the other day come up following a sermon and said, so a friend of mine told me if I cry about something, then that's saying I don't have any faith. Faith. And 
<laughs> and then she asked me point blank, so is it okay to cry? Hmm. And I started crying. <laughs> like, it was when I was like, I am so sorry. There goes my vape. <laughs> but yeah, you just lost your There's salvation. like come to some mm-hmm. spot of to disagree, to argue, to yeah. is this thing of, of fear, the anti-faith, and if the people are Questions. different than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and like, there's a spiral that I think there's this idea that the grace of God carries it all. It all mm-hmm. fits in the grace of God. And I think people are scared to accept people and accept things because it's can the grace of God cover that that, that also? Right. And it's just like, yes. well, I would hope so. But <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't that his job? <laughs> it just get, it just gets tricky in the with the truth and I mean the truth of Jesus is the truth and the gospel is truth. And so that's where I think there's a, a little bit of a messiness to it that we want people to come to Christ and to embrace him as truth. But that's not – so there's kind of a disagreement between you and I. Maybe we wouldn't agree on something. And the, But there's another level of disagreement, right, where mm-hmm. someone has not yet come to Christ. And I think that's the challenging for us as a church to think through – is that person welcome? Yes, they're welcome into the family. Mm-hmm. That's not a theological statement. That's a relational heartbeat, right? Right. I mean, I think that that's the tension point probably. Mm-hmm. And, and wanting to just talk about this as a church, kind of what our Have heart posture is, yeah. right, towards anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like there's some sort of like this idea of the heart desire for people to come towards Christ. And in saying that, they can also come towards me, mm-hmm. but it isn't coming towards me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, so if the, that's a problem, I, I could be a hindrance to someone coming towards Christ. That's the ah! huge issue. Yeah, that's, that's something I just thought about. Like, so if I truly have a desire for someone to see Christ, so are there times that that people can't see him because of me mm-hmm. standing in the way? Right, or put it on the whole church. That, I mean, how many times are people not interested in church because of the lack of acceptance right. that they've felt mm-hmm. from a Christian? So that's where I really feel like there's a there's an evangelistic appeal here that's not watering down the truth right. at all. It is leading with acceptance, inviting people to explore who Jesus is. But when that, when we lead with truth, <laughs> then people don't, they may not feel the acceptance right. and they'll never explore who Jesus is. That's oversimplified, but I do think there's a dynamic no. there the church really needs to look at because mm-hmm. of all the surveys that describe how people typically view church people, like something's wrong there. And I think maybe this can help us think about it. We lead with grace. Grace and truth are both critically important. But I think Jesus led with grace so that people could experience the truth. And I think then the truth is trusted. Yes. Right now, because there's there's a distrust in the truth at this right. point. You don't have 
the integrity behind what you're saying because they don't trust, you know. Yep, be done of the relational mm -hmm. capital. Thank you, Alan. Uh, the whole idea, like, that's very oversimplified. It should be. <laughs> that's the, uh, 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 I think our theology has been so complex and it's turning kind of into a cop-out. Mm -hmm. It's we're going to talk about the, it isn't that hard. There's a problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's a couple of things that are happening here. Here's a problem. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So mm -hmm. It's cool. It kind of brought us to that point. Yep. I'm, I'm going back to when we sat here with Stetson that day talking about the children's Bible and how he said it's simple. God made it very simple, you know. And so mm -hmm. I think when I think when the veil is lifted of the complexity and then you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're all, that's, that's. So I, I love the simplicity. Uh, so it is true. The whole children's Bible thing is brilliant. There's been so many times we've gone in there like, oh, that's what it means. And it actually means that, but it's like, now I'm I, sobbing. Yeah. I'm like pointing out the Hebrew and the Greek things. I'm trying to really, and it's like, here's this children's Bible. Hey, idiot. This, so this in is the Jewish means. culture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay. That's it. Well, thank that's, you. Yeah. Thanks for sticking around yeah. guys. Thanks Look, everyone. Have a great rest of your whatever.